After years of talking about it, my wife and I finally sat down with a lawyer to create an estate plan. Something we had spoken about for years and for one reason or another, we just kept putting it off and putting it off. But speaking with him, it really made us realize how important and how necessary it is that you have your affairs in order. Now, we would all like to live a long life and hopefully everybody listening uh, will indeed do so. But even if you live a long life, you still want your affairs in order uh, so that things can go smoothly, smoothly amongst family. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with my friend and lawyer, Avia Rice Gaucher, who is a lawyer specializing in family planning. I would highly encourage you uh, to take a listen to the show. And if you are in need of an estate plan, please reach out to her. Her information will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, good morning, Avia, and thank you for uh, recording this pretty important topic we have here, talking about estate planning. Um, but first, just a little background on you. Uh, this is not your first career. Um, what did you do previously, and what led you to go back to law school, and specifically, what got you interested in estate planning? So thank you for having me first and allowing me to be able to talk to your listeners about this very important topic. It's, it's so critical. Um, my previous career, I was in sales and marketing. I love the science of understanding how people think and what drives them to purchase, um, what services they're going to buy, and I love that. Um, I've always had a love for helping people and representing people and always wanted to be a lawyer and go into politics, but um, politics is, is, the landscape of politics is really interesting right now, um, but always wanted to go into law, but I met a lot of lawyers and they were not the most pleasant people and sometimes very unhappy, so I said, I don't want that to be me. But my husband, when we were dating, said something interesting. Um, he said, time is gonna pass anyway, what are you gonna do with it? And if that's your love and your dream, you should go. So I left my family, which is very hard to do, uh, for three years and went to Baton Rouge and completed my law degree at the Southern University. And um, yes, I see your uh, Grambling sweatshirt. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, all love, all love. Um, and came on back, and, and I just knew when I... When I graduated, that I was going to be a criminal defense attorney. I wanted to do criminal defense and bankruptcy, and um, we a whole another topic we could talk about our criminal justice system. Um, but that's not the direction that God took me in. Um, my ministry is really now family law, estate planning, and I still do help people with bankruptcy. So a roundabout way that I'm just following my dream. I really feel like this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. So here I am. Cool. Um, so what are some of the various entities involved in uh, estate planning? So when people come to me, um, they typically say, I need a will, I need a will, I need a will. And that's what you hear that you need. But a will will protect you in death. And we do want that. Um, but you also need a complete estate plan because that protects you in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, God forbid a person um, is sick or ill and they lack the judgment or capacity to make decisions about themselves or their property 
or what's in their best interest. They need to have the rest of the estate plan to be able to address anything and everything during that time of incapacity. So that includes your powers of attorney. There's a medical power of attorney that basically has someone act on your behalf for anything that has to do with your medical needs. Your regular power of attorney um, is a power of attorney and it allows someone to act for things like your property, your money, your car, insurance, and stuff like that. Then you have your HIPAA release. If a person is lacking capacity and they're in the hospital, they're getting treatment, sometimes you may need to get a second opinion or go to another doctor or a specialist. You want your specialists and your doctors to be able to transfer your records freely and the people that you have handling your affairs to be able to handle those records. So the HIPAA release allows that. And then you have your medical directive. So in a scenario here, um, you may lack the capacity to talk about what's gonna keep you comfortable. Um, do you wanna be getting treatment at home or do you want treatment at a facility? Um, are there some um, medications that you don't want administered? Like I, I remember I had a client come to me and she said by under no circumstances does she want steroids. She just was opposed to them, didn't believe in them, so we put in her medical directive that steroids are not to ever be administered no matter what. Um, do you want to be on life support? If so, for how many days? Um, and there's a lot of laws um, in and around life support and being brain dead uh, versus any other medical diagnosis and what that means. There's a, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a case right now of a, a little girl um, she's in the hospital right now, and there's a 10-day rule, old rule, that after 10 days, even though she's not brain dead, they would pull the plug, and all kinds of people are getting involved, and representatives, and it's This crazy. is like a state law thing? Mm -hmm. It's an old state law in Texas, and uh, unless there's a facility that you can transfer the patient to. So they're trying to find, I think, um, what's the hospital, the children's hospital? Um, I can't think of it. Uh, another hospital that they need to transfer her to so they don't pull the plug and they've stayed that right now but you don't want your family to be in the midst of grieving and being concerned and worried and praying and trying to handle business so you want all of that laid out for you to protect you in life and incapacity and death so hmm. so <clears throat> you mentioned about the lady that wouldn't want steroids I'm curious like let's say something randomly happens, right? Mm -hmm. At a hospital or ambulance, like mm -hmm. they're working really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. How do they get that information in a timely fashion to ensure they don't? Because if it's a necessity the moment they get to the hospital, mm -hmm. like it, can accidents be made or how does that really work? So now if you, if you notice, most doctors, when you go to a doctor's appointment, they'll ask you if you have a power of attorney. Mm -hmm. So if anything were to happen, they're going to contact, try to get in contact eventually with your doctors. Is there a power of attorney on file or have you filled one out? Because some people, if they don't, the, the hospital will have you fill one out. So they're going to call the POA or your next closest family member, your emergency contact, and try to figure out what that is. Um, there was a, an interesting case in Texas. I, I don't know what happened to it, but a guy had um, do not resuscitate tattooed on his neck. Wow. And <laughs> he was serious. <laughs> he was serious. And so, so do you, as, as a medical professional, do you honor this person's wishes? I, I, have to, I have to follow that case to see if it's closed or if it's still pending. 
but do you follow this person's wishes and do not resuscitate or as a medical professional do you do your job we don't want any guesswork we don't want family members fighting we don't want spouses fighting with parents or siblings well she would have wanted this or she would want that and i think that no you want it all written down in plain english to say what you want or what you don't want. You don't want people fighting and grieving. You know, it's funny you say that because I can remember growing up and seeing death in my family mm-hmm. and that was the conversation. Oh, she wouldn't want this and she mm-hmm. wouldn't want that. Back then, I would have never thought about, oh, had she had an estate plan? This wouldn't right. be a question. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I put it into context, mm-hmm. I realized there was no kind of plan in place. Right, and you know, I, I'd say this also, your estate plan is a living document. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will come to me like, man, I haven't, I, I haven't touched my will in like 20, 30 years. Well, your feelings might change about things. Your feelings might change about how you want to be treated. Maybe you want to be in hospice. Maybe you want to be at home now. So you shouldn't just put your estate plan in a lockbox somewhere and just forget about it. Revisit it. And if there are things that are sensitive to you, then revisit them, such as maybe you name someone Uh, power of attorney and you can have two people working together like maybe you have someone that's a nurse or medical professional in your family and you want them to work in concert with your parent or your spouse there's nothing wrong with that and so maybe someone in your family has now graduated from nursing school and you want that person to now be second as your power of attorney to work work in conjunction with someone else there's no problem with that so I said all that to say your estate plan is a living breathing document Um, I always say revisit it when um, life changes happen, whether it's divorce, death of another family member, um, illness, revisit it to make sure what you have in there is what you still really want, um, or to update it. We can easily amend. um, Now, what happens like in the case of divorce if a person doesn't update it? Let's say it, it ends on horrible terms. But then something happens. Is there any measure of protection? Or is this, hey, this is the person you put, so this is what you're kind of stuck with? So let's talk about how things pass, and that's a very good question. When I I also handle divorces. I'm a divorce attorney as well. So one of the things I do is important to me is I'm like, okay, we're nearing the end. So there's things you got to look at. you got to look at your insurance. you got to look at your 401K, your beneficiaries, your estate plan. Most people are like, oh, I don't have one of those. So that openly leads me to another conversation. Mm-hmm. But I always tell people, okay, once this is final, then is the time to go back and change your beneficiary information. So there's what's in your will, and then there's um, that goes, that was that is what will be probated in probate court, even if you don't have a will that goes to probate court. And then you have how money transfers. <clears throat> so the best way to transfer money and wealth and what people some people say legacy is through bank accounts. When you go open a bank account, you have to put a beneficiary or beneficiaries down. Life insurance, very inexpensive to get a term policy. Whole policies aren't that expensive. Uh, a lot of people at their job, they can get like one times their salary. You have a beneficiary there. Your 401k, your pension, you have beneficiaries. That goes outside the probate court. That's the easiest way. There's no fighting over that because whoever you name as your beneficiary, that's it. That is your wish. People may not like it, but they have to respect it. (coughs) Excuse me. And so that passes to your beneficiary outside of probate court. court, That does not go to court at all. And I tell people, you want to put things in trust or property in trust 
or you want it to pass through accounts because it's the easiest way to transfer property and wealth. And then you have your will that maybe you want to, be, we call it bequeath, bequeath your favorite leather jacket or your favorite piece of artwork or your Fabergé egg or your china. Or maybe you want to talk about in your will how you want your funeral to be or maybe you don't want to be buried, you want to be cremated. So we can also get specific in your will. So there's one protecting what you have and there's also your um, part of your estate that's going to pass outside of probate court through your accounts mm -hmm. to your beneficiaries. So you mentioned a trust. Could you talk a little bit more about exactly what a trust is and the types of things that you would include in there? You can put a property in, that you have, like your homestead or whatever, into a trust. Um, very good for people to consider if they have young children. Um, you can earmark, maybe you have minor children and you say, well, I don't trust my children with a large amount of funds until they reach 25, 30 years old. Um, so that's why your estate plan works together um, from how money is passed, who you name as beneficiary, what you put in your will, and who you name as guardian of your children. All pieces of the puzzle work together to protect you. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, it was interesting, and you know, I mentioned this before we got started. But, um, we just did our estate plan last year, and that whole um, uh, "do not resuscitate" question came up. It is an eye-opening um, experience. But uh, what what percentage of people do you think are unprepared or lacking a will or some type of plan um, in the event of a early demise? I don't have hard numbers, but I did just read an article that said. Only one out of eight zennials. So I didn't even, I, the numbers always change. So I wasn't sure what a zennial is, is including. <coughs> I know millennials, um, unfortunately, are not, uh, oftentimes not covered. But zennials, I believe, it's anyone born after 78 or 79. So one um, out of those are typically prepared. And that concerns me because when people come see me a lot of times, they say, well, I don't have anything. Well, why do I need an estate plan? I mean, I'll just, you know, people know what I want. And that's, you don't want people grieving and handling business. <coughs> Excuse me, period. So when people come to me and I say, just go inside your house or an apartment, close your eyes, and then open them, and just spin around the room and look at how much stuff you have. Do you want to give that away? Do you want to donate it? Everything from your artwork to your clothes to your furniture, your car. People just typically think money. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of money in savings. It'll be fine. No. What about all of your stuff? What about how you want to be you know, handled at the time of your death? What about if you have incapacity, how do you want to be treated? Um, so when people come in and talk to me, I have to first educate them. Mm -hmm on what they have is first valuable and why <coughs> what they desire to happen is important. Um, I don't have hard and fast numbers, but I'm sorry and sad to say that it, a lot of people are unprepared. Mm -hmm. So if you, just, <coughs> excuse me. if you just even looked at, um, even at your, your client base, you mentioned that <coughs> in the event of divorce, you always ask the questions about things that need to be updated 
if 10 people were going through a divorce and you asked mm-hmm. that question, how many would say that they didn't have a plan in place prior to? They just kind of look at me like, update what? Right. Um, I would say five to six out of 10. Wow. Hmm. Um, and they're like, I update, I don't even have anything. And right. I'm like, well, once you just kind of take a deep breath and get past this, the next thing I want you to do is come back to me and we do an estate plan. And I think what really concerns me is 70% of those folks have children. Mm-hmm. And that's important because not just for legacy building, but also you want to, it's important to, to just protect what's valuable. Right. Um, and we're not here to discuss um, insurance policies um, or anything like that, but again, term life insurance is very inexpensive whole life you can find some good deals out there as well but it's so critical to be able to look at legacy building and protection as one big piece right hmm. um i meant to ask you this earlier uh sure. you had mentioned about initially you wanted to be a criminal defense attorney mm-hmm. um what was the eye-opening moment for you that led you in another direction um i think family law chose me um, I, I uh, interned at the public defender's office uh, for a summer, and our criminal justice system is just, that was eye-opening. Um, I would often drive home every day just in tears of frustration mm-hmm. with our with our, ju- our criminal justice system. Um, it's difficult. Um, and then I just, when I opened my practice, as soon as I passed the bar, I opened my practice, the people that needed me most were families. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I responded to. And I really love, I've always loved helping people. I've always loved being a voice for people. And I think family law is a, is my way of helping people. First, when they come see me, a lot of people are broken. They're at a very low place. It allows me to pour, really pour into people. It allows me to help build them back up. And then when I go in court, it allows me to tell their story, mm-hmm. basically. I'm, I'm, this is where my sales and marketing background comes handy. I'm selling to the judge my client's story. Mm-hmm. I'm selling to the judge why I believe my client should have their children or why you know, a custody modification is in their children's best interest or why um, or I'm talking to a person and I'm selling them on why their things are of value, why their decisions and their thoughts and what they want in the end is of value. And so I, I really love that aspect of what I do. Because it really allows me to pour into people. Um, <clears throat> why do you think so many people <coughs> put off um, putting a plan in place? Nobody wants to think about death. It is mm. not a fun topic. It's not interesting. And as I mentioned to you before this interview, um, I work with a lot of nonprofits. I do a lot of education and with estate planning. And I go and I talk and I'll give away an estate plan, give away about four a year, and no one ever calls. I typically do that. I've given away at least four estate plans for the past three years, mm-hmm. and I've gotten called maybe twice. Right. Um, and I just keep giving them away, and I keep educating people because someone's going to call, I'm going to touch somebody's heart, I'm going to remind someone to do an edit or an update, or even call me to, for questions. And so... Like I said, that's part of my ministry as well. It's education is is so important because at some point people will say, you know what, so and so got sick, so and so passed away. I guess it's time they come to me and they say, 
I guess it's time for me to do it. Mm-hmm. It's always time, whether you're fresh out of college and you're 21, 22 years old and you think you have nothing, you still do. Mm-hmm. Even if you're 52, you know, you, you have a kids, you have a career, your health is good, you're not sick, you still do. And another thing that I want your listeners to understand is that both, if you're married, both spouses need their own estate plan. Okay, a lot of people are like, well, I just thought we'd share one. No, no, we don't share an estate plan because your power of attorney may be a completely different person that you want working with your spouse. Uh, You may want things to bequeath or give away to your favorite niece or nephew versus a sibling, or there might be things that you don't want administered to you in your medical directive. So one spouse may want to be buried, one may want to be cremated. So each spouse needs their own estate plan. That's a big misconception when people come to me. Cool. Um, you, you know, I don't even know what uh, what made us get our plan done, but one of my thoughts was, you know, my dad died at 44, mm-hmm. and I do realize so many people, like we all want and think we're going to live a long life, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. But the reality is there are, you know, 30-something-year-old and 40-something-year-olds uh, dying every day. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you are taking the time to educate people and discussing that, do you ever feel like, like they really get it? Or is there still this moment of, like, I'm invincible and I'm going to live to X, Y, Z? I really think that's why people don't call me, because they do have that, I'm invincible, nothing's going to happen until it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 sad because we see death and illness all around us, but we never think it's going to hit us. Yeah. We never think that. And I don't think people get it until I say this. I say, whether you're sick or you passed on, you don't want the people you love grieving and handling business at right. the same time. Um, my father died at 56, and he had a will and a trust, and there were still things that... You know, in grieving, I still had to handle fly back home to Florida and handle business. Um, And you can't handle or think of everything, but at least if you have an estate plan in place, that will certainly limit how much grieving and business doing your family has to do. And so when I put it in perspective like that, that's when I think they're like, no, maybe I don't want my, my parent and my sibling fighting or my spouse and my parent fighting I don't want that and the reality is if you don't put a plan in place it's selfish yeah I gotta imagine people have a hard time grieving if they're spending time handling business because you really can't do both right hard but the business kind of becomes a priority then this frustration mm-hmm. like I can just see it happening this frustration builds up you're almost mad at the person that died because they mm-hmm. didn't take care of um these things prior to that's kind of why I said unfortunately it's a it's a selfish act mm-hmm. because you know my I didn't gr- truly go through the steps of grieving until after I came back home it didn't hit me till like a couple weeks later right. and just one year one day I just burst into tears because I hadn't felt it yet I was too busy flying home handling business right. so you don't want the people that you love the most fighting right. you know well she or he would have wanted this you don't want anybody guessing what you would have wanted. And you surely don't want any of your assets or things that you have worked hard for or things that you value going through the state. 
sometimes I tell people, if you don't have a plan, the state of Texas has one for you. Right. So your stuff means something. Now that that seems like a legal gangster move. Right there. The <laughs> state, <laughs> the state can just take your stuff. But I actually know a young lady who um, her husband died after a battle with cancer, and they were oh maybe forty three. Right, but they didn't yeah. have a will, mm-hmm. and the way that she's probably still tied up in court, for all I know, mm-hmm. um, something just seems like wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But then again, like when people get to write the laws, they can put in, you know, whatever they like. There's some old antiquated crazy stuff on the books. We can mm-hmm. talk about that all day. But again, she's grieving the loss of her husband and still having to fight. Right, right, right. We don't want that. Um, it's still going to go to probate court. You, If you have an airtight will, there's clauses that we put in there to make sure that it, to try to make sure it doesn't get contested. But, you know, you may have that family member or heir that feels like you cut them out um, or they were treated unfairly and they may contest it, but we try to prevent that. But what we don't want is, like Elena, you know, we don't want her to, we don't want people to have to grieve and deal with litigation. Like, I know I'm a lawyer and that probably sounds weird, but... I always say, your family knows what's best versus myself as an attorney or a judge. Mm-hmm. Because what we have to go by is the laws. And like we just discussed, laws aren't always fair or just, mm-hmm. but it's what we have. So if you know what's best for yourself and your family, keep us out of it. Right. Um, what's, what's the biggest danger of not having a plan? Well, we just discussed. Um, or having your family internally fight over what they feel as though is best for you or what you would have wanted. Um, Because sometimes when people come see me post their loved one dying, they're like, wow, I wouldn't have thought that this is what X person wanted. And so I always say your estate plan is hard. I don't think people want to deal with not just the finality of it, but the harshness of it. And I'm like, you know, people may not like what you have in your estate plan, but they have to respect it. Right. What about, um, I'm just kind of thinking scenarios, specifically money, like we talked about Mm -hmm. how things move. Mm -hmm. What about that person that, um, let's say I have a job and my 401k has been Mm -hmm. collecting forever, and I wasn't married when I started this job, and I did not update my beneficiary. Does marriage automatically entitle me to my spouse's um, investments upon death? Typically it does. Um, then, and then there's some people that they had their 401k so long ago, it was at maybe at a time when we weren't required. Like now when you open up a bank account or you start a 401k, you have to name a beneficiary or mm-hmm. beneficiaries. But many, 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 many years ago, you didn't have to. Right. And so that gets tied up. In probate, so I try. Uh, since I am a family attorney, um, and people sometimes lump estate planning in with family, is not family two law. Is there two different things? But I try to drop nuggets on people and just remind them, hey, you know, did you update your beneficiaries? Um, hey, if you uh, named a beneficiary, uh, do you need to change it, or do you need to name more than one? Because you can name more than one beneficiary. Um, and so I try to just drop nuggets to people as well but man that's critical and you know even when I remind people they typically yeah. don't it's not that like like you said nobody wants to think about death it's not it's not <clears throat> cute it's not sexy it's not a conversation you want to have um, people will call me when someone around them has passed 
gotten sick or they're tr about to take a big trip, like mm -hmm. a family vacation. But you know, you, you mentioned one of the things your husband said to you about law school. Mm -hmm. Like that time is going to pass anyway. Right. And it's, a, I mean, I just, it's morbid, but that's the reality of death, right? Like yeah. death is going to happen. It's going to happen. Anyway, and we don't have any control over that. Mm -hmm. um, so the better off we are prepared, right? The better mm -hmm. off we are for the people that uh, we leave behind. Um, so and, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but also looking at it as, as uh, leaving your legacy. Mm -hmm. So if people have like a, um, a prize collection um, or, you know, I've had people donate money to causes that they feel strongly about or their clothes to women's shelters. I mean, that's all a part, not just to your children and your spouse and your nieces and nephews and siblings and cousins. But if you have um, a, an organization or a nonprofit or a cause that you feel strongly about, that's also part of your legacy. Right. What do you leave? What did you do with your dash? Okay, so that's, to me, it's that's all a part of it too. And once I start saying those kind of things, people are like, oh, I hadn't thought about what I'm going to do with my clothes when I die. I mean, like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Nobody thinks about and, you know, and some of those things are just sentimental. Like sure. um, the clothes my dad had on when he died, I probably kept for 10 years. Because yeah. it was the only thing that I really had. Yeah. Um, and at one day I just kind of woke up and it was like, okay, it's time to mm -hmm. kind of move on from really? this, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so we talked before about, in general, people are unprepared and a lot of people avoid it. But specifically yeah. with minorities, mm -hmm. there's an even bigger gap. Um, why do you think that's the case? I really, it, it saddens me that I don't know as minorities if we've placed enough value, maybe not just on things, but legacy building. Mm -hmm. And that's why I just talked about leaving the tangible things, uh, working with organizations and, and working with money, all of that. That's all a part of your legacy. And I don't know that we've done a good job as a community educating ourselves, not just about money, but legacy building and wealth building. Right. Um, and we don't talk enough about it. We talk enough about hustling and making money while we're here, but like you said, death is inevitable, it's coming. Right. We don't know when, but it's coming. But what do you do with your dash? How do you leave your mark? And that's all a part of, can be, going back to your estate plan. Right. So um, if you were talking to a group of people, mm -hmm. what would be, um, how can we change that? Mm -hmm. from a minority perspective and, and making sure that we are better prepared. It's important to me that as an attorney of color be able to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. If we don't talk about it, nothing's going to change. I'm glad to see that when I do talk to people, more people are doing things like at least getting life insurance. Mm -hmm. I think most people at least either go through their companies or go through outside providers and at least do that. Because if you look at Caucasian families, they're buying million dollar, half million policies. Right. So when they pass on, that money is left to their children to go to college, start a business, mm -hmm. be successful. We're like, okay, I don't, I don't, why am I going to do that? And so there's many theories out there in terms of just life insurance um, that first it's income replacement. So God forbid if someone were to pass away and couldn't, you know, that, that income is gone, how is the family going to make it? Mm -hmm. So now you have so many people in our community, they have to, then you have the siblings fighting over, 
well, now we got to sell mama's house. Well, no, we want to keep mama's house in the family. Mm-hmm. And you have siblings fighting. I've seen it all the time. So that's all a part of having tough conversations. You know, from the time people start dating to they get married to they have conversations. You know, at Christmas and Thanksgiving is coming up. I did this last year with my, two years ago with my parents. I'm like, y'all, this is what I do. Where is the book? Where is the book? Where is And you have to tell your executor where all your stuff is. People sometimes come see me. They're like, I know I'm the executor. I don't have any idea where the will is. Please tell your executor where your right. will is. Yeah, that's, it's funny because uh, <laughs> my mom lives with us, and mm-hmm. I don't know where hers is. So it's, I'm making a mental note like tonight. <laughs> mom. <laughs> Yeah. Don't think anything past it. I need to know where's the book. And so, you know, I had been talking to my mom about this for like two or three years. And finally, two years ago, I cornered her. I'm like, where is it? We're going to go through it. I'm going to go through everything in there. Let me see it. And when I do an estate plan, I put everything in like a leather binder. So the estate plan is in there. But also you have insurance papers, mortgage papers, deeds, and you can keep it in one place. It's also important as part of my education I'm like, okay, whoever you name as executor or executors, executrix, um, you've got to tell them where that stuff is. If it's in a safety deposit box, where's the key? If it's in a safe, they need to know the combination. So um, those are all things that kind of just little nuggets I impart upon people. We gotta have, we gotta start having the tough conversations that nobody wants to have. It's funny you say that because when we did get our. well, both our mortgage documents and our kind of estate plan in place. Mm-hmm. Never before had I thought about putting a safe in my house mm-hmm. until, you know, until now. It's kind of like, sure. well, how do I keep this stuff protected in mm-hmm. the event that something happens? Mm-hmm. It was also weird talking to our friends about becoming, you know, uh, looking after our kids yeah. and over our estate and stuff. Because you can't take that stuff lightly, right? Because if something happens, hey... Are you willing to look after our kids like they were, you know? Your own, like yeah. Your own. yeah. That is very, and you know, I tell people when they name them a guardian or an executor, I'm like, have you, or even a power of attorney, have you had the discussion with a person? Right. And as their homework, if they, I, I, I hate saying this, but half of the time they haven't had conversations with the people. Right. And I'm like, they probably won't say no. They've, they, I'm sure they love you and they value you. They probably won't say no, but you want them to be able to be ready, willing, and comfortable. Right. And that's another reason why your estate plan is a living document, because what if the person you name as a POA, power of attorney, or an executor, then passes on? Right. You've got to revisit that estate plan. Hmm. So, I hadn't even thought of that part. What's that? <laughs> uh, about what if they die first. Yeah, because you know when we were going through ours, one of the things we thought we we thought about was who would be loving, but also not so much emotionally involved that okay. that they couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't say involved, but can make tough decisions even when dealing with emotions. Right, right, because you know, not everybody can do that. Right, not everybody can still handle business while simultaneously grieving. Right, and so sometimes what we do is we name a person. And if this person is not ready, willing, capable, then it's this person. If this person is not ready, ready, willing, capable, then it's this person. 
or in a power of attorney, we have two people acting together. Maybe it's a spouse and a sibling or a spouse and a friend of the family. So maybe you have someone that is very, has that emotional bond, and then you have someone that maybe, you know, maybe they're in the medical profession or maybe they know a different side of you that can work with your spouse or sibling or parent and make the best decision. So sometimes we have people working together because that's, that is that is a tough balance. Mm-hmm. Who can love and who can also handle business? Right. Because typically most people are good at one or the other, right. but not at both simultaneously. Right. Um, so final question. Sure. Um, you've mentioned legacy a bunch of times. Yeah. Uh, what's the legacy you want to leave? Wow, that's a... That's a deep question. Um, The legacy I want to leave is education um, and empowerment. Mm -hmm. I think that is so important to not just me and my family, but to the community. Um, Educating ourselves on, um, and I've also, we also talked about what did you do with your dash? Mm -hmm. So educating ourselves on during our time here that God allows us, what are we doing with it to impact and empower the people around us? I'm not saying everyone is called to be a leader or doing this or doing that, but we can all empower each other to do better and be better. And uh, that's my legacy, just to help as many people as I can. Um, This is my ministry. Uh, Some days it's hard. Some days it's emotionally uh, taxing, but it's what I'm doing. I love it. Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. Uh, for those that are listening, let them know how they could uh, get in touch with you. I'm sure many of them need a plan of their own. Don't just think about it. Don't hesitate. Please feel free to call me. Um, Avia Gaucher, Gaucher Law Firm. It's tricky, so uh, it's G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R. Um, GaucherLawFirm.com is our website, and our number is 214-377-0786. Our calls are answered 24-7 every day of the year. We're always here to help. All right. Well, thank you very much, and to everybody listening, and I'll see you next time.